against Bitcoin. It's going up forever. You're against Bitcoin. You're against freedom. Yo, welcome to another episode of Simply Bitcoin Live. We're your number one source for the peaceful Bitcoin revolution, color breaking news culture, Matic Warfare will be your guide through the separation of money and state. Today's one of those episodes where we're going to talk about the separation of money and state. Uh, you guys know the deal. Uh, we don't lean left, right, Republican, Democrat. Uh, we lean uh, Team Orange versus Team Green, right? Uh, party of Orange, the party of Bitcoin, peace, prosperity, opportunity, optimism versus the team of central bank digital currencies, nihilism, slavery, all that bad stuff. You definitely want to be on Team Orange. Um, but in terms of, you know, a, a historic moment in terms of moving the Overton window, we touched upon this lightly last week, but uh, Donald Trump uh, has for multiple times has now admitted because he's seen that it's popular, of course, it's politicians at the end of the day. Um, he's he's uh, advocated against central bank digital currencies. So central bank digital currencies are on the ballot in the 2024 election. I know a lot of Bitcoiners are like, Nico, but he's not on Bitcoin's team. And I, I don't think he's on Bitcoin's team. I'm sure Vivek has brought that up to him, but he didn't bite. And we know his previous thoughts on Bitcoin. But I still think it's a really, really big step in the right direction because if you're against CBDCs, you're essentially buying Bitcoiners time, right? That's that's the deal, right? If they don't roll these out um, quickly and fast enough and with enough coercion and just, you know, shoving it down people's throat and they give time for Bitcoin to do its thing, number go up technology to do its thing, incentives to do its thing, they're going to have a much harder time down the road, right? So if you could slow CBDCs, um, that's just going to allow a more seamless adoption of Bitcoin. So we're going to explore all of those topics today. And of course, we have a very, very special guest and my legendary co-host, Opti, who is smiling. So he's optimistic today. Like <laughs> and, uh, um, Kent from Saz Mining, and uh, he—we were talking backstage. Uh, Kent, it seems like you're running a node from a particular place on Earth that not that many people are running nodes from. Dude, don't dox yeah. him like that, Nico. <laughs> well, it's it's a big area. It'd be hard to to pinpoint me. Yeah, I'm running a node here in the Amazon. That is absolutely badass. Um, yeah, we got to get more node runners. There's a it's rookie number. Ken's telling me is, there's not that. How did you know? Are you checking from that website? I know. I know there's like a website with like a global map or something. Now, you know, I I did interact with quite a few people in the Bitcoin ecosystem, and every time it's a first time call, I tell them, "Hey, I, I think I'm the only human being running a Bitcoin node in the Amazon," and I say that intentionally to be provocative to see if anybody can challenge me because I'd like to meet somebody else in my <sighs> neck of the woods. I'm sure. I'm sure there's another one. I'm sure there's like a you know a, a Bitcoiner. We're winning when like indigenous tribes are running nodes. <laughs> Give me there's time. Like, there's Soon. like a little start nine, like in the, you know, like one of the back huts with the solar panel and they're just like <laughs> running their own Bitcoin node in the middle of fucking nowhere. <laughs> so like, that's when we win. That's when we win. Um, yeah. Starlink makes the, all things possible these days, man. Genuinely, that's awesome. It's crazy. Yeah. That's awesome. That's really cool. So what are we going to talk about today, Opti, uh, with our friend, with our friend and, yeah, well, and our guest, Kent? You, you guys know the deal on the culture, guys. We feature our guests. So we're going to talk about SAS mining, what they're working on over there. And, and Kent kind of TLDR'd me in the beginning. What what makes them different from other Bitcoin hosting companies? So this should be interesting. And and actually, I, I'm going to ask you maybe uh, what I keep asking all the Bitcoin miners that come on the show about just like mining economics in general moving after the having so i might i might sneak that one in there depending on how long we go so just prepare for that and then actually before we go on nico uh you already know my view you're against bitcoin you're against freedom <laughs> boom <laughs> exactly so yeah i mean it's gonna be a great you know great episode uh you know this is election season you have elizabeth warren on the sidelines Right, this ETF, you know, dump, which we're going to cover on tomorrow's episode. Price Bitcoin dump like 10%. Why is that happening? Well, there's been a lot of speculation. Essentially, it's just grayscale dumping all this Bitcoin on the market. It's pushing the price down. But uh, the TLDR is, I think, Wall Street's trying to get your Bitcoin. I think they're trying to shake you out. Uh, so this is an opportunity to get a 10% discount on, you know, whatever Bitcoin you stack. 
And that's a good thing, right? That's a good thing. And if you look at it from like a historical perspective, um, there's been many, many, many dips like this throughout Bitcoin's history. And it actually kind of reminds me of a tweet out from Mandrick this morning. And dude, did it hit so effing hard. This guy is such an absolute legend. But sometimes when you're going through this specifically, if, uh, you know, this is your first time, sometimes it's useful to look in the past, right? So Mandrick's an OG. This man was sold baklava for Bitcoin in 2011. He's an absolute legend. His baklava is delicious. Madrick's a dear friend. He's a good friend of Simply Bitcoin. Um, and uh, check this out. So it's the scariest dip of my life, YOLOing my 401k at $130 and then watching Bitcoin sink to 60. Bitcoin climbed to 1,000 a few months later, right? It, um, and then March 13, crap, my stomach hurts just to think of it. And then I said it was, I was working at BitInstant, getting paid in Bitcoin and thinking, oh, cool, I'll get 2x the Bitcoin this week, right? So yeah, this is, uh, you know, they don't call it the Bitcoin roller coaster for no reason. We're still in the very infancy of this thing. So remember, when you get in, you know, you think you're buying Bitcoin high, but when we're sitting pretty at a million dollar Bitcoin, you'd be like, oh man, you know, I could have, I could have stacked that 39 K that $50, that 50% uh, percent dip really wasn't that big of a deal. Anyways, uh, everything. Wait, 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 you guys are still looking at the fiat price. What's going on here? I don't look at the price. <laughs> oh man. Um, so yeah. All right, ladies and gentlemen, let's start the show. We got a lot to, we got, we, we, uh, we have a lot to cover today. Let's check it out. Here we go. The Bitcoin numbers. Is your Bitcoin in cold storage really secure? Is your seed phrase really secure? Stamp Seeds do-it-yourself kit has everything you need to hammer your seed words into commercial grade titanium plates instead of just writing them on paper. Don't store your generational wealth on paper. Paper is prone to water damage, fire damage. You want to put your generational wealth on one of the strongest metals on planet Earth, titanium. Your words are actually stamped into this metal plate with this hammer and these letter stamps. And once your words are in, they aren't going anywhere. No risk of the plate breaking apart and pieces falling everywhere. Titanium stamp seeds will survive nearly triple the heat produced by a house fire. They're also crush proof, waterproof, non-corrosive and time proof. All things that paper is not allowing you to hodl your Bitcoin with peace of mind for the long haul. Stamp your seed on Stamp Seed. Incredibly easy for you guys. You can scan the QR code on your screen right now, It'll take you directly to the Stamp Seed website where you can use promo code SIMPLY to get 15% off anything on the Stamp Seed website. Make sure to uh, store your generational wealth properly so you can make it over the finish line. And you don't have to explain to your great-great-grandchildren why you lost your generational wealth because you stored your seed phrase on paper. Anyways, at the time of recording, the Bitcoin price is 39,395 sats per dollar, 2,538 block height, 827,023 blocks to having 12,977 having estimate April 20th, 2024 total lightning network capacity, 4,838 Bitcoin capacity value, 190 million. <laughs> Realized monetary inflation, 1.74%. The market capitalization of Bitcoin, $772 billion. Bitcoin versus gold market cap, 5.61%. In the grand scheme of things, Bitcoin is still a tiny little baby. Anyways, uh, what I want to cover today is, again, the general theme of the news and the numbers is going to be the great battle of our time. Uh, are we going to live in a future of central bank digital currencies? Uh, if you guys want to have an outlook of what that's going to look like, just take a look at China and their social credit system, how they punish citizens. Even the Fed in that paper that we read from you guys last week admitted that money could be used uh, as a form of social control. Those are their words, not mine. Uh, check out the episode on last week's uh Check out the episode. It's from last week, and uh, we have the source in the video description and everything. It's from the federal.gov website. Like They're even saying the choir part out loud. That's why you have Elizabeth Warren so hell-bent 
on, you know, promoting uh, CBDCs and attacking Bitcoin. She wants for she wants it for politicians to be able to maintain that privilege of being able to create money for free that everyone else has to work for. And if you have like a more malicious out, she has a more malicious outlook. Also, being able to control people. Uh, I mean, Javier uh, Malay said this at the Davos speech that he that he that he made that went absolutely viral. He said, "Look, uh, governments don't need to control the means of production anymore. All they, they you know they can just inflate the currency and they can control people that way." Like that was such a strong base statement. Um, you know I, 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 that guy did not suicide himself. Anyways. President of, God forbid, President of the European Central Bank, Christine Lagarde, also known as Opti's ex-girlfriend, admits that without CBDCs, central bankers run the risk of becoming obsolete. Let's check out the clip. There is clearly an aspiration, a desire for digital payments, um, much more so than it was in the past. And this is growing. We are now in the surveys that we've conducted across the 19, 19 members of the euro area. We have more than 50 percent of the respondents who say we want digital payments. Well, less use of cash, um, demand for secure and riskless uh, payments. Where do we stand? We central bankers, we have been operating as a monetary anchor in relation to the commercial banks and the private money. If we are not in that game, if we are not involved in experimenting, in innovating in terms of digital uh, central bank money, we risk losing the role of anchor that we have played uh, for many, many decades. And we have historical examples of period where the central bank uh, monetary anchor was not there and that precipitated crisis after crisis. That certainly was the case at the time of the free banking in the 19th century. Do we want to go back to those days? Probably not. I would say certainly not from our vantage point, as a result of which we have to respond to the demand for those digital payments in order to maintain the role of anchor that we have uh, been playing uh, regularly. So a couple things like I think she's just wrong about, you know, the, and that was that's one of the talking points. And the Biden administration used that as one of the talking points as well about this free banking era. Right. Um, look, the biggest financial crises have happened during the era of central banking. Right. The Great Depression, at least in the U.S., 1930, that Federal Reserve was established 1913. Right. The biggest world wars. Right. Uh, you know, you had the black market crash in the 1980s. You had the Great Recession in 2000. That was all during central banking. So, like, what is this stability? And I, I love how she says she calls it an anchor because she's right. The price of fiat sinks compared to Bitcoin, right? Uh, and another thing, right, which is why people are seeking an alternative in the first place, it has nothing to do with efficiency of payments. Like, if you live in the U.S., you have Zelle, Cash App, PayPal, Venmo. Um, you know, they they put like limits essentially, but you know, for small payments, it's pretty seamless. It's not difficult, right? Um, why are people seeking an alternative to Bitcoin? I mean, Michael Saylor's screaming this from the rooftop. Um, because they don't want their purchasing power to decrease. Like it's as plain and simple as that. And if you're in the lower middle classes, that affects you the most, by far the most. Um, you save in dollars, you save in your fiat, local fiat currency, and you earn in that local fiat currency. Therefore, you get hurt the most when they print. And actually, it's the very wealthy that do have the means to save in assets that do benefit from that because of the asset inflation, right? So it, 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 it widens the gap between the rich and the poor even more, right? So is that what she means by anchor, right? Um, I, I, like this has been a catastrophic century from a war standpoint, from a, you know, uh, from a depression and a recession standpoint, like here in the US, throughout the world as well. I mean, look at Argentina, look at the central bank of Argentina. Like, is that what she's, you know, promoting? Um, I think it's time to try something new. And if you look at Bitcoin's history, this thing has gone up forever, Laura, so far. 
And I think it's going to go up forever because of its absolute scarcity. So I think it's time to try something new. But in order for something new to be tried, unfortunately for Opti's ex-girlfriend and other central bankers, they're going to have to come to terms with the fact that they are now obsolete, which has happened many. The technologies have become obsolete many times throughout history, right? Just this time, this specific technology happens to be a technology that governments have used um, to enrich themselves, make themselves more powerful, spend money they don't have at the cost of their citizens. So it's a little bit different this time, right? This, this little bit uh, bigger deal than, for example, the telephone or the internet or electricity or whatever, just because of how much it changes the power, the power dynamics between the individual and the state. So it's a little bit different this time. Um, and that's why there's a little bit more pushback uh, from the likes of certain politicians like Elizabeth Warren and co, right? So anyways, how do you protect yourself against all this? You take Bitcoin into self-custody or you move into the Amazon, right? No fucks given in the middle of the Amazon with your Bitcoin. No one's going to say shit over there. So uh, yeah, there's uh, this is going to be a bumpy ride. It's going to be a roller coaster, but that's what we're here for. We're, we're here to cover it while all this stuff is going down. Anyways, uh, I want to get Kent's take on this real quick, and then we'll move on to Opti. Well, first off, apologize about the dog in the background. Not much I can do about uh, him when the neighbors go by. That is one of the joys of the Amazon is dogs barking. Is that a jaguar um, or I, a dog? It, it's it's a dog. Uh, ja jaguars are deeper in the jungle than we are. Um, <laughs> but, but you know, I, I actually think it's uh, doublespeak uh, when, when, uh, when she says monetary anchor. I actually think it should be worded proboscis. Um, because I see this as a parasitic system sucking the life force from humanity, and they've been able to do it for about 100 years, and I think Bitcoin is calling their bluff and starting to call them out and bring them into the light. So I think they're worried. I think that they're on the ropes, and I think as long as we continue to purchase and hold our Bitcoin in self-custody or mine it even uh, at a discount, then we're going to win. Like the incentives are on our side. And like you said, humanity is in need of a change here. Um, and I'm excited to be on the right side of history for this one. A hundred percent. Humanity is in need of a change. Uh, they see it. The double speak is strong. Opti, clearly you guys had a tough breakup. Uh, something happened there, bro. Uh, but clearly she hasn't learned her lesson. Uh, I don't know, man. What's your take? What's your, you, bro? Like, she just keeps coming back. Yeah, you know, spiteful lovers, you know, they, they can't stop. Um, no, but I, I fully agree with Kent in all seriousness. Um, I, I do my best to not, you know, denigrate the central bankers and the politicians, but it is a very parasitic relationship here. And if you know anything about monetary history, if you studied money at all since the central bank, Federal Reserve, uh, what's created or the purchasing power of the dollar the last hundred years, you can very clearly see that the purchasing power of the dollar has completely been decimated. And well, you you might wonder, where is all that value going to? Well, it's not going to us. We're all getting poorer. So someone is profiting off this. And I just, I doubled down on the idea that Kent just said, this is complete doublespeak because it's very simple to say that Bitcoiners are here just because of digital payments. But like most of us don't really care about digital payments, it, especially if you're in the first world. Like we can all probably send money around on PayPal, Cash App, Venmo, all that stuff. Like digital payments is not the reason why Bitcoin is taking over the world. It is not about moving money more efficiently. It is about saving and using a money that doesn't steal from you. This is why the 21 million hard cap is such a solid meme. This is why we always come out here on the show and, and say the same thing about like, it's all about stopping you guys from debasing our currency. We are getting poorer by using fiat money. This is the reason why people want to use Bitcoin. And you can see, especially from their own rhetoric, you know, Davos just happened last week. And and we've been covering this for years now, that there has been a very strong push against people using cash. And it's very simple. Why? It's because they cannot control you using cash, though they can essentially steal your wealth when you save in cash. And this is why we constantly come out here and say, like, the 21 million hard cap is so important. The digital scarcity aspect of Bitcoin is so important. This 
is why number will go up. This is why all of us are here to basically save in something that cannot be stolen from us. Like this is not about digital payments because digital payments work very well, especially in first world. Like, yeah, you know, there is a very real argument towards digital payments needing to be more efficient and like say the digital South or whatever. But like the real problem here is that the unproductive class, you know, as, as uh, Kent was saying, the parasites out there, the central bankers and their ilk, they are stealing from you. And if you don't understand the mechanism of fiat money, then you're just going to continue to go around the hamster wheel. And we know that they want to move us away from hard cash. They, they want us to end up in a digital system. Like our money's already digital. They are constantly trying to eliminate cash from society. And this is why we always say it is Bitcoin or slavery. It is Bitcoin or CBDC. Like there's an active push by the globalists, by the powers that be out there to get us and corral us all into a digital monetary system, even more so than we are right now. And there is two choices. It's either freedom money, a money that is permissionless that you can transact freely with whoever you want, whenever you want, or a system where they have total control and they can stop you from sending money wherever they want. They want to put term limits on your money. They, they won't even let you save your money anymore. Like they, they want expiration dates on your cash. Like it's absolutely ridiculous where these uh, academics, intelligentsia want to send our money. And it's like, yo, it's absolutely terrifying. They, they must be sniffing their own farts over there because if they think this is a good idea, like what is going on here? It's, it's absolutely dystopian and it's terrifying. Like, you know, I, I try not to fall into the fear of all of this stuff, but it absolutely is terrifying where these people go out there at Davos and they talk about like, oh yeah, let's put time limits on your money. You're like, what, what are you talking about? Like, this is just turning this into like coupons or like, you know, like, it's just absolutely crazy. Like, this is the point of money. So I can store value through time and space without people stealing from me. Like, how is this so difficult here? It's it's absolutely incredible that it's always framed the same way. Oh, yeah, the world wants better digital payments. Like, that's not what we're doing here. We just want to stop getting stolen from. It's so simple. A hundred percent. A hundred percent, dude. Uh, like, you know, but again, like they're not incentivized to understand you know, and uh, that's what it is. But you can't, what's that saying? Like, you can't stop an idea whose time has come. And I think that's where we are right now in the movie. Anyways, guys, if you're enjoying the show, make sure to smash that like button. Really helps with the YouTube algos. Help us break 100 likes within the first hour of the show. Help us maintain that streak. And of course, if you want to listen to the audio only version of the show, you can check us out on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Fountain, and also join our Telegram chat. It's popping off. Uh, you can find it at, uh, here we go, at t.me slash simply Bitcoin TV. All right, everybody, no more delay. Let's jump straight into news. We have a lot to talk about today. Let's check it out. Here we go. I want to give a shout out to our sponsor. Have you ever wanted to get into Bitcoin mining and don't know where to start? That's why I want to introduce you to Scott's Build a Mine Bootcamp. He will show you how to build your own Bitcoin mine, how to get the project funded, how to get your facility filled with miners as quickly as possible. With a little luck and by putting all his techniques and strategies to work that he's developed mining Bitcoin for the last six years, you could be mining 5 million Satoshis per day or 0.05 Bitcoin in less than three months. On the free webinar, he will give you a high level roadmap that will help you get on your way to building, owning, and operating your own Bitcoin mining farm. Begin your mining journey today. Register for the free webinar now. Click the link in the description of the video below or contact Scott directly on Telegram using his handle at OfferedScott and learn how to mine those precious, precious Satoshis. The Daily News. I want to give a shout out to our sponsor, Foundation Devices. It's self-custody done right. They built a premium grade hardware wallet called Passport right here in the US. It's fully open source and verifiable. It's the most intuitive Bitcoin wallet designed with the UX reminiscent of a simple feature phone. So you will know how to navigate it and use it the moment you pick it up. Get your Bitcoin off exchanges and into your into your own hands in just a few minutes. Experience the peace of mind that comes with taking ownership of your own keys. After a massive sellout during Bitcoin Miami 2023, the Passport is back in stock at FoundationDevices.com. 
Bitcoin only, open source verifiable, completely air gap security model, gorgeous design craft, premium grade materials. If you're thinking about getting your Bitcoin off exchanges, this is the one for you. Check out the passport link in the show notes below to learn more. All right, guys, I made it incredibly easy for you guys. You can scan the QR code on your screen right now. I'll take you directly to the Foundation Devices website. Where you can get yourself a passport hardware wallet. Remember, guys, not your keys, not your cheese, not your queso. Anyways, uh, so let's talk about uh, what's happening. Guys, I just want to emphasize that simply Bitcoin, we don't give a flying F about fiat politics. I think they're fundamentally broken. Regardless of what political parties in power, they both do the same. They both print more money and they spend more money than they're collecting tax revenue so it's just deficit spending it's impoverishing people that are earning and saving in fiat which is a majority of the population so just to emphasize that um in the very beginning it is not the party it's not a uh, red versus blue it's not left versus right it is a party of orange versus party of green that being said uh cbdc's are on the ballot this year in the united states um which is crazy and i made a prediction the other day when this news uh, initially came out uh actually in january 17 2024 and i said that having an anti-bitcoin stance will be politically unviable by 2028 um and just take a look at the candidates that that isn't just me speculating or whatever uh you had the runner-up in the democratic primary rfk jr uh he was a staunch proponent of bitcoin he was anti-cbdc on the Republican side, you had Ron DeSantis, who recently just dropped out, who was anti-CBDC, pro-Bitcoin. So you guys are like, it's very clear where we're going, right? Um, that's why, you know, Opti's ex-girlfriend, Christine Lagarde, is freaking out the way she is. Anyways, we did play you guys this video um, on January 17th. And I said, I said, there it is. Looks like he had a talk with Vivek. Having an anti-Bitcoin stance will be politically unviable by 2028. The reason I said that is because... Vivek dropped out um, when the Iowa caucus concluded, and it was obviously clear that Trump's probably most likely 95% going to be the Republican uh, presidential candidate. And uh, Vivek dropped out and Ron DeSantis dropped out. Vivek dropped out and he uh, endorsed Trump and he went to Trump's speeches and he would just go on stage with him and just, you know, start speaking well about Trump. But I said, okay, why is Trump bringing up CBDCs after Vivek spoke with him? And I was like, of course, they talked about it. But that was speculation until it was fully admitted by Donald Trump about 12 hours ago when this clip was posted. Um, I'll let you guys uh, hear the video. Let's check it out. And this I do for Vivek because he's very big into it. I happen to agree with him. But he said, could you mention this? I will never. She said, I love Vivek. We, I love him too now. I didn't love him when he was running, but I like him now. It's amazing the way you can like somebody when you win, right? But Vivek is great. He's really great. But he wanted this, and I'll give him full credit for it. It's very important, actually. I will never allow the creation of a central bank digital currency. And so big effing deal right you know like you guys had to endure 30 seconds of fiat politics to get to the signal at the very end which was uh you know i will never endorse uh you know cbdc's and like i said this is a big deal if you take a look at the betting odds which the betting odds are always a lot more accurate than any type of poll because people have money on the line right now as it currently stands uh donald trump has the highest probability according to the betting odds of winning the uh the presidency in the united states and he would be against central bank digital currencies this would be a massive win for freedom um and it's definitely a step in the right direction however that being said uh we also know that uh that trump doesn't like bitcoin so we'll get to that in a second but first i do want to read the tweet by vivek he says i respect trump and give him full credit for being a strong leader who is willing to listen to the right ideas, right? Um, again, it's not only Vivek that supported this, Ron DeSantis. Uh, he was one of the front runners as well for the Republican presidential candidacy. Um, and, uh, you know, if he promised that if he was elected, he would, to use his words, uh, accuse Biden of the war on Bitcoin. I agree with that statement. The current administration has not been uh, open to Bitcoin. 
Uh, look at how the SEC handled the ETF approval, dropped the ball on an in an epic fashion. Uh, but he also said he would protect Bitcoin if he were to get elected, right? So again, guys, Overton window, huge, huge shift, right? And for anyone who doesn't know what the Overton window is, the Overton window is the range of politi policies politically acceptable to the mainstream population at a given time. It is also known as the window of discourse. So again, you're th that, that CBDC thing right now is going from somewhat acceptable, right, uh, like a year ago or so, or two years ago, you know, no one was covering it to now on the ballot, it's going to a radical to unthinkable if Donald Trump were to get elected. Now, you know, it's not all great news, uh, but before I get to that, I do want to give a shout out to Vivek Ramaswamy. Uh, not only does the guy walk the walk, but he talks the talk, and at least he accomplished half of what he was trying to accomplish. Uh, Obviously, one stance is pro-Bitcoin. I mean, to be frank, he was pro-Shitcoin too. Uh, but again, step in the right direction. So he was pro-Bitcoin, pro-Shitcoin. And then on the other side, he was anti-CBDC. So these are the specific things that he promised. So first, um, it's notable that a presidential candidate is making cryptocurrency a part of his platform and its users a part of his coalition. He promised a crypto policy, and here it is. Um, it goes on to say... Um, since the inception of crypto, the shadow government in the administrative state in Washington, D.C. and its cronies on Wall Street have tried to quash its rise. Um, that ends on my watch. So this is something that we've predicted on Simply Bitcoin, not based on what was coming out in the media or not based on what they were saying, but based on their actions, right? It was very obvious, you know, Operation Choke Point 2.0. We had Caitlin Long on the show and she said such a strong statement. She's like, Nico, this Operation Choke Point 2.0, from my sources, it's coming straight from the White House, these orders, right? That is a very strong statement, right? Uh, Caitlin Long, is, you know, started the Custodia Bank that she's trying to get a federal banking charter for in Wyoming. And uh, for her to say that, like, she means it, right? Um, so, and there's three points uh, according to his policy. Uh, so, treat code as speech and criminals as criminals. In other words, Ramasamy's policy would not would not be to sanction software, right? We told you guys that was a very dangerous precedent once that was established. I said that this has never happened in U.S. history, that the U.S. government is not sanctioning an individual or a government, a foreign government. They're, act, they're sanctioning software, which could set a precedent, right? What is Bitcoin, but not software, right? Um, it goes on to say, affirm the right to self-custody, right? We know that the right to self-custody is under attack with the current bill uh, introduced by Senator Elizabeth Warren. She has 20 senators signed up for it. Um, so self-custody is under attack. And the last thing he promised is stand down to regulators. This is this is basically Ramaswamy's whole campaign. His idea is that federal officials go much further than Congress has authorized. So, you know, to give this guy credit, I don't think Trump bought into the crypto stuff. I don't think Trump bought into the Bitcoin stuff. I'll be perfectly blunt and frank with you guys. If he would have had, he would have said it by now. Why? Because it's popular and it would get him votes. And we know in the past, he's been very blunt about Bitcoin. He's like, this is a competition for the dollar. At least he's like frank and honest about it, right? Versus like some politicians that try to like, you know, obfuscate that a little bit and like, just like, no, it's about money laundering. No, Trump's like, this is a competition for the dollar. It's like, yeah, you're absolutely right, but that's not a bad thing, right? So again, it's a step in the right direction. Let's see if Trump uh, comes out with anti-Bitcoin policy because at that point, you know, then we would change our stance. But so far, this looks like it's a step in the right direction. Shout out to Vivek. There's, uh, there's uh, supposedly there's talk, but it hasn't been announced yet that Vivek could potentially be uh, his VP. And if that were the case, um, Trump has only one term that he can serve as president. And historically, if you look at American politics, the VPs have a really good shot at winning the presidency, specifically if the president does a good job during their term, right? That's what, that's what happened during the Reagan administration. I mean, that's what happened with Obama, right? Obama's VP was Joe Biden. Look, he got elected with Reagan. It was Bush, right? So VPs have, have a history of being elected presidents after the presidential term is over. And if that were the case, if, if uh, Trump does tap Vivek, who is extremely popular right now, um, you have a pro-Bitcoin 
and anti-CBDC president in the White House by 2028. I'm not saying it's 100%, but that is a possibility. There's a non-zero chance for that. So again, put all that aside because maybe there's some, you know, uh, Trump haters in the audience and I respect you guys because I'm on that boat. I don't really care left, right. I care about Team Bitcoin. But the Overton window is shifting dramatically. Uh, this is a big deal because now CBDCs is in the political discourse and there's someone who's staunchly against that. How is Joe Biden going to support that? Like, you, essentially, he would have to go on stage and make the case for a central bank digital currency. Like, <laughs> like there, like there's no case there. I mean, they they could try to misrepresent the data, like Christine Lagarde and you know Yellen and Elizabeth Warren saying how it's so efficient, it's going to be great, and we're not going to use it to freeze your payments and spy on you and try to control you. We're not going to. You could trust us with that. Um, but I'm sure there are people that will buy into that. But again, like I wouldn't want to be on that side trying to defend slavery money personally. I wouldn't be I wouldn't want to be on that side. Anyways, um, that's my take. Uh, I want to get Ken's take and then Opti. Yeah, I think, you know, I think you're pretty much nailing it here. As far as I can tell, you know, the the overturn window shifted. It's great that we've got an anti CBDC candidate now in the highest uh, or running for the highest office in the country. And where does that position Biden and how is he going to respond? You know, I think when I read the tea leaves on Trump, I'm not so certain that he is against Bitcoin as it's not quite politically tenable for him to broadcast um, being pro Bitcoin at this point. I think that Bitcoin is still quite controversial um, to a lot of regular people out there that haven't taken the time to study it. And that's where, you know, us and Team Orange have our work cut out to continue to drive adoption and tell people the truth of this because there's so much misinformation out there. So I think as soon as in, in my read of the situation, as soon as politi uh, it's politically expedient for Trump to embrace Bitcoin, I won't be surprised that he does. Uh, that's my my take on the situation. I've heard that I've heard that before as well, right? Um, you know, this is a guy that is selling NFTs, right? So he has profited from from some type of shit coinery. And we all start most Bitcoiners, 99% of Bitcoiners that I know, and me and Phil Geiger were going back and forth the other day. Uh you start off as a shit coiner. Like most Bitcoiners I know start off as shit coiners. And then you come to realize after wrecking yourself and you're just like, okay, yeah, it was Bitcoin all the time, but all along. Right. So like, you know, expecting a 80 year old man essentially to just, you know, skip over that and be like, yeah, it's been Bitcoin the entire time, I think is a bit naive. Um, anyways, uh, I, I do want to get Opti's take. Opti, what's your take on this? Um, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Well, you guys know up front, like Trump is a fiat maxi. Like we, we can all agree on that point. He's a fiat maxi. He's super entrenched in the fiat system. So, of course, you know, like Kent was saying, it's not politically uh, viable for him to fully endorse Bitcoin. Bitcoin is still kind of this fringe idea as far as politics is concerned. But I mean, like if we're looking into what Trump's been uh, dealing with since he was president, uh, 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 like it's very obvious why he would go out against a CBDC is because a CBDC would most likely shut Trump off of his own money. So, of course, he's like, yeah, this is not going to happen if I'm president. Uh, obviously, he's against a CBDC system because they'll do whatever they can to try to stop Trump. And that's not even like endorsing Trump in general. But I think, you know, just doubling down on the memes, like it's not enough to be anti-CBDC. He needs to be pro-Bitcoin. And it is very interesting that CBDCs are becoming such a hot button topic so quickly. And I think this is going to ramp up as the year goes on. More and more people are going to choose sides. They're either for CBDCs or they're against CBDCs. And it's only a matter of time until more people come out and just go completely pro Bitcoin. I say it all the time. I think, you know, it's especially we're talking about America. We are, you know, Nico and I are both live in America and uh, Bitcoin is as we'll American as we'll Apple Pie. In, we'll be in the Amazon soon, bro. Yeah, we'll see about that one. But anyways, you know, I, uh, I do like hearing politicians come out against CBDCs. So on that, that note, like, I think this is absolutely great and moving the Overton window. And, and I know like Trump is a very, uh, polarizing figure. And so there's people on one side that hate Trump and literally just 
say the opposite of what he says. So maybe there will be more people coming out that don't like Trump that are pro CBDCs because like the Elizabeth Warrens of the world are like, oh, CBDCs are going to help us and protect us. And then, you know, the Trump army is going to go staunchly against CBDCs. So maybe that's something that we'll see in the works start to heat up. But on that note, you know, shout out to Vivek for uh, pushing and stressing this issue because CBDCs is a way to control human behavior. And if we get trapped in a CBDC system, like it's horrible for everyone around the world. And this is not what I thought America was about, which was, you know, we still have the meme of uh, home of the brave, land of the free. Well, if our politicians are pushing a CBDC, it, it's starting to really go against that idea of land of the free if you can't transact freely. And even on that note, like, you know, we don't need politicians to ensure custody of Bitcoin. Like, it, it's not illegal. You don't need their permission. It is a free speech issue. Bitcoin is code. Bitcoin is literally just text messages. Like, how, why do we need them to protect this? Because obviously they don't fully understand what's going on here. It's literally just messages. It's just a messaging system. It's just a database. Like it's protected under the first amendment. But again, these politicians don't even follow the constitution. They don't follow their oath. So like, this is, <laughs> this is the rabbit hole we are in. Um, but you know, just love to see that this is the conversation. And I'm, I'm being reminded, Nico, of when Nolan came on the show, and I think he's coming on this week, about how the Bitcoin conference in Nashville is going to be directly in the middle of you know the Republicans and the Democrats choosing their candidates. And it's going to really show what freedom is about. And, and you know we say it all the time. It's not left versus right. It's orange versus green. And as much as I dislike politicians and I try to be as neutral as possible, I understand that there is an active attack on our freedoms. And I, I don't want to say that I'm a single issue voter because I, I don't vote anymore. And Nico yells at me all the time about this. And I don't think I will vote again. Maybe I will. I don't know. Um, I want to see people come out. Out Opti, against CBDCs. Opti just admitted that he doesn't take self custody. No, I vote with my cash and my feet, but I I reserve the right to not leave America until it is really the I, last I'm, ditch I'm, effort. I, I'm not going to leave America, but I'm also not going to vote. <laughs> Yeah, I vote with my money. Like, I don't look, I've been scammed. I, is, I got scammed public, out of voting. Public service announcement. It is an election year, ladies and gentlemen. So we want to tell you guys the importance of voting. And you could do that by Everyone writing, like, vote. writing down a 12 word and 24 word seed phrase <laughs> and then taking your Bitcoin into self-custody. That's the most important vote you can make. Uh that's a that's my pu public service announcement. Yeah, Anyways, vote with your money. Literally, just dump your fiat for Bitcoin. And once enough of us do this, it doesn't matter what they say. They wake, have no they'll, power. They'll wake the f up. And they'll be like, "We fucked up." Um. So yeah, guys, if you're enjoying the show, make sure to smash that like button. We're almost at a hundred likes on YouTube. Two hundred and fifty-eight live viewers on Rumble. Rumble's popping up. Fifty live viewers and like I think 30, 40 live viewers on on Twitter. So shout out to all of everybody if you're enjoying the show. Smash the like button. It really helps with the algos anyways i do want to give a very special shout out to our sponsor bitcoin evangelism planting seeds for the decentralized revolution we have 10 million people to orange pill bitcoin evangelism by brian DeMint is an absolute beast of a resource for orange pilling no coiners and altcoiners alike this is a book for bitcoiners who know bitcoin but have a hard time explaining it to their friends it's a book for bitcoiners who are trying to explain bitcoin only to altcoiners it's available on amazon if you have a brother, a mother, a father, a sister, an aunt, an uncle, we're just like, I, I don't F with this thing because Elizabeth Warren said it was poison. Uh, buy yourself Bitcoin evangelism and it will arm you with the right tools to orange pill them. Anyways, uh, I do also want to give a shout out to our sponsor, Kabim Rex. They're the most trusted place to buy, sell, and host mining equipment. You can check out the QR code in the in the thing that we pulled up. It'll take you directly to their Telegram marketplace, so you can connect with a member of their sales team. They make purchasing their products easy and transparent, and you could also sell your mining equipment with them. You can access their vast network of domestic and international customers. Check out Kaboom Racks today. All right, everybody, let's get to the culture. Let's talk about SAS mining. We have a lot to talk about today. Let's check it out. Here we go. The Daily Culture. 
brought to you by swanbitcoin.com. Swan is the best way to build your Bitcoin stack with automated Bitcoin savings plans and instant purchases, serving clients of any size from $10 to $10 million. We love Swan because they incentivize self-custody and dollar cost averaging. What are you waiting for? Visit swanbitcoin.com today. All right, guys, let's go. Kent, let's start with what is SAS mining, and then we can get into some of the details. Yeah, absolutely. So SAS mining makes uh, Bitcoin mining accessible. Uh, we are a service provider, so we are not a miner ourselves. And what we do is we help people um, choose the mining rig of their choice if they want to go most efficient or if they want to go most affordable and acquire their Bitcoin in a clean, uh, carbon-free way uh, at a cheaper price than they can get from going to the exchange. So that's our, our promise. We've built uh, a lot of software to make that experience simple. So kind of like Uber um, made the rideshare experience easy, we're uh, doing the same for Bitcoin mining. And so our model is slightly different uh, than most providers out there. So we don't have a desire or we don't mark up our mining rigs. We don't mark up our electricity prices. We pass those through at cost to our clients. And instead on the back end, we take a, uh, a portion of the block reward. So Luxor is our mining pool. We have an integration with them and we receive just 15% of the block reward. Uh, and that's our, our margin. So it's completely transparent. Um, it also aligns our incentives with our clients. So now we care about getting their rigs turned on quickly. We care about uh, uptime and we care about uh, cycling rig repairs quickly as well. Um, because we have the same incentive uh, that we want to acquire uh, Bitcoin in the most expedient fashion possible. So yeah, a, a different approach, different model um, than what's currently been out there. And thus far, clients have been loving it, but we're still you know, relatively small and growing and have a, uh, a small but rabid uh, customer base right now. And we think moving into the bull market, um, we're gonna see a lot of folks come in our direction because we've really focused on the customer experience above everything else. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I, I love that approach to hosting uh, specifically from the aligned perspective uh, aspect, because you're right, the, the flat fee, I'm not going to name any names, but let's just say the last cycle, um, there was some big F-ups uh, by certain companies. Um, and the reason that they that happened was because of misaligned incentives, selling rack space they didn't have, selling miners they didn't have. It's so attractive when you have that very convenient button on a website and you have all these people like just pressing that button. You're like, no, we'll, we'll, we'll figure it out as we go after these sales. And they're like, ah, oh no, we didn't. And then one thing led to another. And <laughs> I'm sure you guys know who I'm talking about at this point. Um, no, no idea. No so, idea. Uh, yeah. So, you know, I love the aligned incentive structure, the aspect of it's not really a flat fee. It's a, you know, we take out, we take a percentage of the hash rate and then, um, and then that's your profit, right? And then what what that causes is if you guys don't get your act together, uh, you guys don't get paid either, right? So that's pretty cool. Um, so walk me through one of the big things in hosting also is the sites. So sites and capacity, right? So walk me through, uh, if you can, where are the sites located? Uh, does the user, is the user aware where his, his mining equipment is gonna be, um, et cetera, et cetera? Yeah, absolutely. So we, uh, we've got two sites. Uh, our first was in Wisconsin. We filled it in the first quarter of last year, kind of depths of the bear market. And that's when we knew, okay, Great timing. Uh, yeah, this, this, this has got legs, uh, our business model. If we could do this during the depths of the bear market, uh, I think we've, we're onto something here. So went out and searched around and after analyzing a few different sites, uh, we landed on going to Paraguay, uh, just the, the cost of power, it being all hydro and uh, the alignment of incentives with the way that the grid works there, it just made it a kind of a no brainer. And then I'm located in Latin America too. So understand how the dynamics of doing business in Latin America, speak a bit of Spanish, other members of my team do as well. And we said, look, there's all this jurisdictional risks right now in the US. So this was like Q2 last year, right? When Texas was looking at some mining, uh, restrictive mining legislation, there's New York going on, there's White House energy fund, which just said, look, let's just 
diversify a little bit and check out Paraguay here. And we've been pleasantly surprised with the experience. I mean, hit hit a fair share of challenges along the way, and I think that's that's normal. Um, but you know, we're up and operational. We've we've got about a five megawatt facility there. Uh, it's about sixty percent at capacity right now, and you know, continuing to uh, deploy more mining rigs almost on a weekly basis right now. So excited about the opportunity. And I mean, frankly, the price is one of the biggest um, reasons why we went there. I mean, the power costs are quite cheap. Uh, we're able to offer hosting rates at just four point seven cents per kilowatt hour, and that's including the maintenance. That's incredible. And and I just got to say that site, you guys nailed the timing on that one. Um, um, and, uh, the Paraguay, like the, it, it, it's, it's a great experience. I would say like right now, great time. Uh, you know, a good friend of mine, uh, C-suite, one of the public mining companies, the way that he described it to me is like mining is a leverage long on Bitcoin. Right. Um, yep. so yeah, I'd like right now is a great time. Just get ramping to the bull. We're heading straight into it. And, and if you don't have the know-how or the kind of infrastructure in the place, um, you know, SAS mining could provide that hosting solution for you guys kind of turnkey, um, get the benefits of mining. And I, I, like I said, the aligned incentive structure is awesome. Instead of that flat fee on top, um, which kind of misaligns incentives. Do you guys make a markup on the sale of the machine? No, we don't. We uh, we pass through. So we actually, if you go to like a broker and see what the price of a rig is versus our website, you will see a difference. And the difference is because we've got to pay for the power up front. So we build that into the cost, but there's no margin uh, that we make or take on the mining rig sales themselves. Instead, we just make it all on the back end. And I think actually doing that over the long run as we scale uh, will we'll, turn out to be a distinctive advantage um, because we're removing any friction in the relationship with our clients. Gotcha. Okay. So it's very interesting. So you guys, you guys uh, don't take the risk. The client takes the risk. Um, but of course you're facilitating that hosting experience um, by making it turnkey. And I'm, I'm assuming there's a support element to that. You guys are really on top of that. Um, why like let's say someone has a question or let's say you know my some mining is you know it sounds easy but sometimes those puppies turn off um and especially if you're getting into it you're like hey i just spent you know five six thousand dollars on a machine this thing is off what is the process of support can they reach someone because that was another thing last uh market right is the support just disappeared off the face of the planet uh for a certain uh, company that was very popular with the hosting uh in the in the hosting industry well, you, you, you will notice we've leaned into customer support. That's intentional. So on our website, you can chat. Uh, we've got a couple of agents that are uh, not quite 24-7. We've got one in Europe and one in uh, in, in Peru. Um, and uh, they answer most questions on the spot. But then we've also got a VIP Telegram community that's customer only uh, and answer questions. Most of the entire organization is there uh, so that our customers can get to know most of us that are running SAS mining. And so that's there. Um, and then lastly, you know, we are building our software to create more and more transparency so that clients don't have to ask. They can see, hey, look, this is the status of what's going on right now. And, you know, I, I can see, you know, if I want to know, like, why the status is the way it is, I can certainly ask about that. But just knowing what's going on, I think, answers most of the questions. Uh, and so we've been doing that, whether it comes to shipping and deployment times, notifications on uptime or downtime. I mean, we are experiencing some curtailment. Uh in uh, in Paraguay more than we anticipated because we launched into the summer there, uh, which high heat load. So let me just say a, a bit about Paraguay because I don't know that people know the story of Paraguay. Uh, and I do think it's important to get that message out there. So Paraguay has an unbelievable amount of power that they export. It's all hydro. Um, and it was, it was created because of the Atapu Dam. And the Atapu Dam is this dam that goes across the river that is the border of Brazil and Paraguay. And the way it was designed, it was built in the 1970s. But the way that the agreement was designed is that Paraguay would get half the power, Brazil would get half the power. And so 
Paraguay underutilizes their power by about four to five gigawatts each year. And so they wind up exporting it uh, to Brazil and selling it at cost or even at a loss. And so Bitcoin miners showing up there in Paraguay have this enormous opportunity to acquire all this hydropower that runs the entire grid um, at a very low rate because it's better to repatriate that electricity and, and bring the GDP uh, up in, in Paraguay than it is to export it to Brazil at cost or even at a loss. And so we're helping with that. The, the, the other side of it, though, is the grid itself, because they haven't had the demand for all that power, is having to be upgraded by miners like us. And so during that process, the pipes, if you will, of the grid are sometimes just not big enough to uh, to pull down all the electricity. And so that's kind of why we have curtailment where we are is, you know, the grid itself needs to upgrade. And the beauty of what's going on there by the mining community is like new stub stations are being built in new locations. And at some point, I'm certain that I'm certain that mining won't make sense there. But Bitcoin miners are going to have left behind all this infrastructure for other industries and is 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 very much like, you know, Brandon Quidham laid out in his pioneer species thesis it's actually playing out there in paraguay from what i can see and you know brandon is a is an advisor so um to sas mining so uh maybe maybe that helps me to see it uh, a little easier but it's it's such a cool thing to be you know on the uh on the forefront in another nation to see how it's helping people 100 percent. and the aspect of you know because it's a very fascinating right is the um, the idea that Bitcoin is going to change the entire energy industry. Um, Bitcoin is going to make it so that if you live in a stranded village in the middle of nowhere, Central Africa, and you just have a very, very, you know, attractive energy source nearby, but it's just isolated enough from a major metropolitan area that it's essentially can't transport it, can't whatever. Uh, I think just like in the, you know, early 1900s Americas, you're going to see kind of like this like gold rush. But with with you're going to see a Bitcoin rush, Bitcoin miners essentially hunting down stranded energy sources all over the world. And whatever makes, you know, it's going to be uh, whatever is the most economical makes sense. And and the process of doing that, they're going to be they're going to build they're going to bring prosperity. They're going to bring opportunity. Uh, they're going to build out the infrastructure there, right? Um, it's all about aligned incentives. So I 100% agree with that. And uh, a couple more questions. So you said you had you guys had a site in Wisconsin, and you guys you said you guys had a site in Paraguay. Um, how uh, do you guys own these sites yourself, or this is something that is owned by the operator over there, and you guys have a deal with them? Yeah, we've got local operators that uh, own and maintain the site. So we are running a capital light model. And how it works is that instead of paying for infrastructure, we pay large deposits up front for power. And that allows us to sort of have a credit on file um, for when the, the agreement ends. But that's basically our value proposition, right, is to come in to figure out who's a good operator to work with aggregate the the power that we can deploy into and then build operating procedures with our partners and you know we've got like this bible of standard operating procedures I, this is not my my first rodeo either i guess that should probably be mentioned i actually come from the rooftop solar sector so i got into bitcoin 2015 the end of the year bought my first bitcoin got totally in, entranced by it and uh tried my hand at a few entrepreneurial activities before i realized holy cow, the, the cost curves for solar and Bitcoin mining are going to collide. I need to get involved with Bitcoin mining. And so that was end of 2020 when I joined up with SAS Mining. And it took me a while to realize, but rooftop solar, I think, is the only analogous industry to Bitcoin mining that I found. And that may sound odd to a lot of people, but if you think it through, I, I think you'll agree with me, which is, okay, first of all, it's distributed. Rooftop solar is, is decentralized, it's disruptive. Your profits are also constrained by an energy network. And by the way, most of the equipment that you need to procure is all manufactured in China. So 
you know, I'm able to pull through a lot of lessons. And in, in my career there in the rooftop solar sector, we were building hundreds of rooftop solar systems across the U.S. and coordinating all that activity. And so, you know, taking those lessons and how to operate at scale with lots of clients has been something that we've really focused on because there's no way that, you know, all the nuance in this business, if you don't figure out ways to optimize process, that you're going to be able to manage it without just blowing up the customer experience. Absolutely. I, I love the aligned incentive structure model. Big fan of that. I think you guys very, very clever the way that you guys set that up. And I like the, you know, the, the, um, I like the fact that you guys focused on, you know, the user experience, right? That's so important. Um, and that's something that, you know, the hosting industry, I'll be frank. And I, I, so I don't know if a lot of people know, but I, I, some people notice, uh, some people probably know this by now, but, um, I got into the industry through Bitcoin mining. I started hosting first. Um, I was hosting in Venezuela and then I transferred to media, you know, around 2020. So I kind of did like, you know, kind of find the place that you, you like the most. Right. Um, so, you know, I, I love what, I love how the, how you guys are approaching it. Now, a couple more questions for you, Kent, before we wrap it up. Question number one is we obviously know that there are strong property laws here in the United States, right? But that is not applicable um, everywhere around the world. Paraguay uh, is pretty stable country, right? It's not like Venezuela or something like that. Um, but uh, what's the political situation there? What are the property laws? Are you guys like actively lobbying on the ground? Are you guys, uh, you know, in good, do you have good relations with local officials, all that stuff? Yeah, I, I mean, as you know, Nico, uh, if you're coming from Latin America, it, what I've realized is the heuristic I sort of live by here is, okay, if the rule of law is going to be a little less in a country, then the value of the relationships goes up accordingly. And so you really need to focus on having quality relationships. And that's one of the reasons why we chose the partnership that we did is because we could see that they had um, relationships with senators, with the head of the utilities, and these things matter. And it's not, it's not even that it's corruption. It's just, if you, you, your buddy grew up with the guy that's in charge of something, you can pick up the phone and things get done versus like chasing your tail in red tape land. And so relationships are, are important. Um, and we found those with our, with our operator. Secondly, you know, I look at, at, at incentives driving human behavior much more than any law uh, will ever do. And when I saw the incentives there, I realized, look, repatriating this electricity and being part of that adds value to the local economy. And that means votes for the politicians. So there's no way that they're going to crush the, the golden goose here and kick Bitcoin mining out because they have a political incentive to help us. And indeed, that's what we've been seeing is that, you know, it's been a little bit of toss and turn um, as people have gotten used to and start to understand it. And the populace at, at large doesn't necessarily understand Bitcoin. And so I've been having conversations with other miners in the region about, you know, some PR and education campaigns. That way, you know, the when, when folks don't know something, they fill in the gaps with the story. Uh, and we think it's better that we help them understand what things are. So yeah, we are in conversations with doing some of that education. Uh, it is important, but I'm not uh, worried about the state of law there uh, turning on Bitcoin mining because of that natural incentive. And, you know, for instance, we know our, our operators have also helped out other politicians mining <clears throat> excuse me, mining Bitcoin, which is quite funny. Uh, there's a lot of politicians are actually mining Bitcoin there because they can see the incentive themselves. Of course, of course. Yeah, that, that's that's really the key in Latin America. It's really those relationships 100%. Um, and of course, you know, uh, we have uh, we have a question from the Bitcoin Maxis in the chat. I'm, I'm pretty I'm pretty sure I already know the answer to this question. Do you guys KYC your customers? No, we, we need we need some way to communicate with our customers, but uh, it's not a KYC process. Um, we've got we've got a couple of folks that I think that have named themselves in our platform on your business. So, um, you know, it's uh, it's perfectly acceptable if that's what you want to call yourself. But we do ask for a phone number and email so we can get a hold of you. Something something's going on with your mining rig. Um, we don't there's no KYC with Luxor, our mining pool provider. And um, 
you know, the way that we, we don't save any credit card information on file two if you're paying that way. Uh, so we've intentionally designed ourselves to try to mitigate that risk. And I'd say, you know, as Bitcoiners, we try to hold as true as we can to the Bitcoin ethos, but there is an element of control that you are giving up with it, uh, working with a business provider like ourselves. And that's why the reputation is so important. And one of those elements is at this point, you know, we are only integrated with Luxor and because we, uh, instruct Luxor to split the block reward when it's paid out. We can't simply allow um, our clients to go to any mining pool until we've built out a full integration. So right now that is one of the trade-offs is Luxor, but the, the pool fee is quite low, um, you know, just, just a bit over a percent um, working with Luxor at this point. Yeah. Nick and the crew are great. Uh, big fan. I, I, I literally remember when they started, you know, um, so it's back in the, you know, 2017 kind of era and stuff. So they've come a very long way anyways. Um, so yeah, Kent, thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, it's been an honor. Great to see that you guys are crushing over at SAS, a uh, different approach to hosting, uh, which, you know, its name was tarnished this last cycle. So hopefully SAS, you know, takes, uh, takes that top spot and, uh, you know, brings back some of that reputation to the industry. I'm a big fan. I love innovation, you know, and I love aligned incentives as a Bitcoiner. So love what you guys are doing and uh, great to have you on the show today and keep kicking ass in the Amazon and orange pill and people down there, man. That's, that's incredible. That's right, man. Yeah. Uh, there's actually a circular economy near where I'm at uh, by motive. I don't know if folks have heard of motive, but there's about 16 circular economies going here in Peru. And that's exciting to see and be able to go witness out my uh, front door here. But yeah, thank you so much, Nico and Opti for allowing me to join you share what we're up to and participate in, uh, in the fun about the news. Uh, you guys have a lot of fun here and I uh, can't wait to do this again someday. Appreciate it, Ken. Someone asked in the chat, I just joined Sound There's a link. Yes, you guys, you can go. It's, we have it pulled up on the screen right now for audio listeners is sazmining.com, S-A-Z mining.com. So, uh, Ken, thank you so much for joining us. Really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. All right, guys, if you enjoyed the show, you know what to do. Smash that like button. Consider subscribing if you feel like we provided you value. Um, and, of course, tune in tomorrow for another episode of Simply Bitcoin Live. I'm your host, Nico. My legendary co-host, Opti. He's a little bit sad today because uh, Chrissy misbehaved. <laughs> uh, but hopefully we'll get a giant smile on his face tomorrow. Anyways, love you all. We'll see you tomorrow for another episode of Simply Bitcoin Live. Peace out, y'all.